welcome to Football Bloody Hell. Might be short-handed tonight, but we'll see. Because Thorpey's had to go to the dentist, so he can't talk. I'm here, and I can talk. And Rick's here. He can talk. And of course, Hilda's here, and he's going to be putting the knife in, I think. And we'll hang about and see who, who turns up. So enough of the Magnificent Seven, because he's not so magnificent anymore, and let's get down to some serious football banter. Now, do you hear what I'm saying, Cristiano? You've ruined your legacy. One, two, three, go for it. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of AD. Oh, say the line. Football, bloody hell. And bloody hell indeed. What a weekend of football we have had. But before we get into it, I've been left behind today, listeners. Dave Pryor in the chair, as per usual. But unfortunately, Mr Thorpe uh, has been visited by the dentist and subsequently can't talk, which is a shame because I'm sure that he had an awful lot to say this weekend. When but, doesn't um, he have an awful lot to say? He's had an awful lot of text anyway. I know that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, um, unfortunately, from from my side of things, I'm running a little bit solo, but um, Ricky Hyatt and Adrian Hopper are both here. Gentlemen, welcome to you all. Thank you very oh, much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, David. Yeah, yeah, absolute pleasure. I've just got back from my counselling session, actually. I had to get, is that uh, not what this is? Is that not what no, this no, is? No, no, this is not this. No, 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 no. But I, I have been to a qualified psychiatrist for counselling this afternoon so um, yeah I thought it was a bit necessary really because there was ropes all over the place yesterday and you know it was a temptation not to use them but um, there we go there we go so, so from wokes to woking yeah let's talk about yodel um, first of all um, we've got a couple of things to really really get through with, with yodel Um You've got the on the field and off the field. I think it's probably best to talk about on the, uh, sorry, off the field first yeah. because it's a little bit of a, well, I say a little bit. It's a really 
big milestone moment really in the future of Yeovil Town that they've successfully been uh, taken over by the SU Glovers Consortium. Uh, Amy, I'll come to you first. We know that this has been ongoing for quite some time. Um, Aidy, how important is it that this has now uh, been completed and certainly off the field we can start to look to a more positive future? Well, let's start from the beginning. I went to the, um, the uh, press conference on Thursday um, where the new owners uh, presented himself, Matt Ugler, along with Paul Saki. Um, both very nice gentlemen, and uh, we had a chat, and they, they, seem, uh, they seem very much focused on what they want to do. Um, uh, main priority initially is to buy the stadium, or to get the stadium into the deal somehow. I don't quite understand that yet. Um, but, uh, you know, their whole intention was, you know, they're, they're very much football orientated. They're not looking... Um, there was a little bit of a hush that went around the room when... One of the questions was asked, well, what have you been doing up until now? And he said, oh, I've been properly speculated. So you can imagine how that went down. But uh, to be fair, no, it was, it was, you know, it was just a, a chance remark he made. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's be a few cynics out there who'll be saying, oh, another property developer. But I wouldn't take it that way at all. He was extremely nice. And um, they seem genuine in their intention that they want to move the club forward and, and you know, get a little bit more of a positive attitude around the place after what we've had to put up with for the last four years. Definitely. Rick, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you next, um, because you're the only one left. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we know spoke, how to make a chapter we, special. We, <laughs> we spoke last week, though, um, yeah. in seriousness, about whether or not the Oval, you know, basically had a long-term future. And this will obviously go a long way to try and hopefully securing that. I say we'll talk about on the field a little bit later on, but first and foremost, you need to put those places, um, those things in place to obviously get the rest um, to follow. So this is a really significant moment for the Oval. Well, it's, it's nice to have people in charge of the club that actually seem to be interested in the club, for one thing, and actually care about what's happening. And I know for a, for a fact, because uh, my... My son is uh, a regular in the Thatcher stand, and uh, so and but he's been in contact directly with the, with the new chairman. He's been rousing support amongst the supporters, and seems keen to get people that have turned their back on Yeovil back involved and interested in the club. And the pack the part thing seems to be a bit of a buzzword, bit of a hashtag that he wants to get going. I mean, that's sure. for any club to get everybody pulling in the same direction. And stop having so many fractions and fractious developments and people pulling in different directions is a good thing. You can't fault his enthusiasm so far. I mean, and then to get, he's obviously involved in that sort of side of things. And we've got a, a poor Saki who, I know it's a different sport, but has played at the highest level, played in a World Cup, knows, has been involved in. Just on that, Rick, how, yeah. how, how, how important do you think that is to actually have somebody who has been involved at the very top um, to be involved, um, particularly with an ownership? Because like you say, they would have seen there and done it, albeit a different sport, but they'll know exactly yeah. what's required. Um, but you've seen that already where we spoke about Yeovil not having a physio and already yeah. they've, they've sort of addressed that pretty much straight away and, and got a team of first, people together. Yeah, in the first press conference. I, I think... Um, I think it's an absolute... If, you, if you're coming into it, 
And if you imagine if uh, Mark Ogie come in on his own and what credibility does he have? But he's come in with somebody alongside him who, like you say, although albeit a different sport, has competed and been involved in sport at the highest level. So I, th I think that gives the whole situation an awful lot of credibility because he's been involved in dressing rooms at international level. And for a team that are playing in the National League to go from not even having a physio to a situation where you've got somebody around the place who knows how a top-level club is run is, has got to be a, a, a bonus. He's not going into it blind. He knows what's required to get the club up to that sort of standard off the field. So I, I, I think that bodes well. But, I mean, ultimately, the proof of the pudding in the eating and all that, etc. I mean, first job, I would have thought, is uh, don't worry about anything else, but fend off relegation. Make sure that that's out of the question, because whatever plans you've got at the moment seem would be pretty dependent on playing um, National League football next season. You can't have these sort of plans in National League South. Well, this is what I wanted to come to come on to because AD they they will know what situation Yeovil find themselves in and just going to the game on on Saturday almost ironic if that's the right word in a way that the the game where Yeovil's change is completed is the day, the game that Darren Sal uh, turns up with his team who are doing really well in third place in Woking one nil win. We spoke uh, you you spoke to. Mark Cooper about um, the goal scoring being being an issue and saying that they they've known that pretty much all season um, that goals particularly from open play are just a huge problem for Yeovil and continue to be a huge problem. I'm assuming that these conversations with the takeover, the 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 contingency of the possibility I should say of Yeovil getting relegated. Would that have come into the conversation of them taking over? Because that does change the landscape of things. If horror of horrors, Yeovil do actually find themselves on the wrong side of the dotted line. Well, yeah, they must have gone into the discussions. I can't believe that they wouldn't have done, not with them in, in that sort of position. But before I go on, do you think you could remove that mannequin from behind your head? Because I'm fed up with looking at it. All right? To those, obviously, we're not on the telly, uh, listeners, but he's got his picture of Jurgen Klopp standing Have you noticed him. there's a little glow over him as well? Yeah, Maybe I'll bring I, it I think no, I, I mean, I might come round in a bit and break his head off. That's that's better. I can feel more relaxed now. Um, I'll get him out so, later. So, so, yeah, yeah, go, go, stab him. So, um, yeah, now going back to what I was saying, um, yeah, I think, you know, first of all, as far as Paul Saki's concerned, I think he can appreciate as an ex ex-international for England albeit as we said it's a different sport but it's a similar sport alright it's a different shape ball and all the rest of it but it's still a lot of running a lot of fitness required and he was appalled I think uh, at the fact that we were running on without a proper physio and a proper sports conditioner so now he's, he's put that right straight away the very first day that they came in there um, which is promising alright it'll take the, the guy I suppose a couple of weeks to sort of you know get everybody up to the sort of fitness levels that you might want them but one assumes that they're at a, a certain level of fitness anyway I, I assume they would be playing for a, a professional football club so hopefully he can improve on that and um, you know he's a professional he's played in the World Cup for goodness sake so you know he must have picked up all sorts of you know the sort of professional hints that you need 
to run a club properly. And, and I think, you know, it bodes well for the future, definitely. Yeah, I'm doing the commentary this weekend. The, the buzz around the place before the game was, was, you know, it was night and day compared to the, the previous game. And uh, just the, just little things as well, like having... Yeovil True being played before before the game, which had seemed to have stopped for whatever reason, and just little things like that. And you know, we've spoken about before about the amount of fans that had uh, stepped away from the club from supporting the club, um, particularly inside the ground because of the the previous ownership. And I think we we're over just over three thousand. I think the official attendance was. Um, so already you've already got over a thousand more people that have started. Um, coming back to the game, so this is a real positive. But just sort of playing devil's advocate for a moment, Rick. Yeah, it's understandable that some fans, particularly at the moment with the new ownership just coming in, might think, "Yeah, okay, we've heard this before. You've seen the quotes about how they fall in love, fall in love with the club, and they're going to come and move to the area." Again, things and lines that we've heard before. What would your message be to them that? might make it different this time around. I just I just think you've got to give the guys a chance. They've already been, as I said previously, they're, they're more proactive with the club and then you compare it to the situation that we've had under the previous owner. Already it's an improvement in that and, and you can't knock the, the blokes for coming in. What else are they going to say? They've got to they've got to toe that line. So You've got to take them at their word until there's evidence of anything, anything to the contrary. So I just, I just think that um, they just deserve the opportunity to to have a go at it. It's nice to hear positive stuff around around the football club when you consider what it's been like for the last two or three years or whatever. It's, it's all been doom and gloom and how how bad things are going to be and how bad things are going to get. Somebody's offering the opportunity. And saying that they want to make that situation better, so why why would you condemn them until it's actually gone wrong or whatever? Well, plus the fact, you know, I mean, what what a good start. First of all, you you have uh, uh, admission fees ten pounds. Um, we don't know how long that's going to last, but I mean, that's a good start. Like that, you know, endears them to people. We must think, oh, that's not so bad, is it? You know, they're they're trying. They're showing people willing, aren't they? They're 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 not. You know, it's not all one sort of major, major. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Attack on the the club's finances. They're trying to get the crowd there first on the basis that you know it'll and it'll at, it'll. At this stage, how how much can they do? Their hands are pretty much tied. Yeah. As to what they can practically do, at least they are doing something. Yeah, and they've They're brought not really in. Very long, and we've seen things happening. They've brought in this uh, a new signing, Jordan Stevens, who seems to have a reasonably good um, CV. He's played for Leeds United and and Barrow, and uh, he signed on a, a contract until June 24. So you know that's not a short-term fix. That's clearly somebody that uh, they're looking upon to enhance the team. So again, you know that's that's a good move, I think. So um, yeah, you know, I mean, all, all, it's all positive stuff, isn't it? I think you know, and that's what we need desperately. I mean, how English is it to be very cynical about something that's, that somebody's come in and, and, and they're positive? If, if it turns out and it, and it falls on its ass, at least somebody's come in and had a go. You compare it to what, what the situation has been, and it's been depressing. Mm. And it's just been waiting for, waiting for everything to collapse and waiting for 
National League South football and going amateur and, and whatever. It's just been waiting to happen. Somebody's come in and they've made noises to the direction that they want to improve it. So what else can you be? You've got to go, go along with it. Give them a chance. Well, well let's talk about that reality which could be hitting you over in, in, in the face because there's there's 14 games left. They're on 33 points at the moment. They're two points above the dotted line. They're still desperately, desperately trying to find uh, the right recipe to put the ball into the back of the net. Aidy, you spoke to Alex Fisher because there was a lot of talk about the way that Mark Cooper spoke about his strikers and trying to get a reaction out of them. To me, it did seem quite apparent when uh, Fisher was speaking that he does genuinely have a really good relationship um, with Mark Cooper. I know sometimes players can say that they do, but it felt to me that that was genuinely the case. I don't know if it if you felt the same vibe. Um, there's talk, obviously, that's still going to continue about Yeovil needing a goal scorer, but I don't think he's going to like the strikers already there are going to be in denial about that. It's quite apparent where the where the problems lie, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But I mean, I think two things to take into account there. One is that, that Alex Fisher is a very genuine bloke. Um, he, he's, I agree. He's, he's not afraid yeah. of of um, criticism. He, he'll take criticism on the on the chin, and he will do his best to improve his game. And yeah, you know, I think he's 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 conscious of that because it isn't often that Mark Cooper comes out and and lays into uh, any particular player. And what well, to be fair, he didn't actually lay into Fisher. He laid into the strikers collectively. But at the end of the day, um, no, you know, Alex was was you know quite quite upfront about it, and he accepted the fact that they've got to do better, and he's going to do his best to make sure they do do better. So you know, he needs support around him though on the field, though, doesn't he? He does tend to look a bit of an isolated figure in the in the games that I've seen this season. This is the problem. That's why I was hoping to have um, Thorpey here to, who was always does with the, doing the commentary with on Saturday. That Fisher was winning pretty much all his aerial duels, yeah. but when he did win them, <laughs> there was no one there. No one around like, him. Yeah, it go, it goes both ways, doesn't it? When you talk about, oh, well, you might be a striker that's lacking goals, but where's the service coming from? But on the flip side, when you are doing your job and then winning those aerial duels, yeah, where's your support? The other way round as well. So, obviously, um, like Amy alluded to, signing uh, Stevens from, from Barrow looks lively, someone that's going to be able to run in behind. But you just hope now that it looks like it's going to be very, very difficult to try and find a gem of a goal scorer in March. I think you're relying on a striker who has probably been prolific at previous spells in their career or a particular club that's out of favour somewhere and you're trying to tempt them to come to Yeovil and sell the project of what's left with 14 games to go because that's probably the only chance that they're going to get if they want to bring someone in isn't it Rick realistically yeah. at this stage somebody wants to buy into it and it's in there they've got a vested interest unless, unless you find a gem of a youngster but that's a big gamble isn't it to rely but on it that and, and how young? I mean, the ones at that age that can cope with the pressures of senior football, adult football, if you like, are, are playing at a higher level. You know, it's very difficult to find a youngster who's going to come and play at National League level and what, score goals. What you need is a, a, a Paddy Madden. Now, you might think I'm being stupid when I say that, but when Paddy Madden came to our club originally, he wasn't prolific scorer that he turned into be. 
he was popping in the odd one here and there, but he was no way as prolific mm. as he suddenly turned out to be. So what you want is somebody that's going to come in and then just suddenly going to do a Marcus Rashford on you. He's going to suddenly just hit a rich vein of form and, and start hitting goals all over the place. Now, you know, there's, there's a, a major element of doubt there that you can find the right man anyway. Is he going to have a prolific run? Who's to say? So it's it's not easy. And any club, I would have thought, that that's looking to either stay in a division or to get into the playoffs is not going to give any of their players away that might help somebody else that might stay in the division. So I think the chances of getting anybody in are, are you know, zero to nil, basically. This is where I would sound uh, naive, not having been involved in the game at that sort of level. But surely, you look at the league table, and we all know two wins back-to-back shoots you up. If you, have, if you had six points on to where Yeovil are now, all of a sudden, you know, they're in a much healthier position. I think it's, it's, it's a state of mind. You, you've got to... Yeovil look terrified at the moment. They look more terrified of losing than they do about the benefits of winning. So if you commit more bodies forward around Alex, if he's winning headers and whatever, get, get more balls in there and, and commit people and accept that that comes with risks of it, then what's the... Do you, what, what, do you think, Rick... How, what's the worst with, off with that do you think the positivity around the ownership will change fans' perceptions in the stadium? So where, whereas before, under the old regime, when things aren't going well on the pitch either, that kind of anxiety comes into the stadium and gets affected onto the pitch. Whereas at the moment, yeah. now we've got a positive, when it's not going so well on the pitch, fans might be, even subconsciously possibly, a lot more encouraging because there's still that there's that feel good factor a, developing off the fit off the pitch. There'll be a, be a, be a tolerance, a greater tolerance for things, especially if the team are seen to be more positive. But I think it's quite important that sooner rather than later it actually turns itself into wins. Well, and Alex point- Fisher said to Aidy last week um, at the press conference that exactly how it does motivate him personally, knowing that when you do get that, you do get that extra 10, 15%. I know players say it quite a lot, you know, you be as optimistic and, and cheer as on as possible because it does make a difference, but yeah, it really does. Yeah, but it is important that that happens sooner rather than later. And while there is a feel-good feeling around the place and there is optimism, you know, don't waste that and, and fall back into old ways and think that a whole load of nil-nil draws are going to get you out of the situation you're in now. I I've... I would have thought, though, that there's, a, there's another way of, of attacking this. I, I, I'm not a stat man, so I'm not inclined, sure how many games we're talking about here, but there must be four or five games in the last 10, 15 games where we've gone behind from either a drawing position or a winning position to to lose points, to drop points, game management. Now, you know, yeah. that is... Usually in the minutes or so, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And and that is so, so easy to try and put right. Well, I say it's so easy. It's not so easy. But, but what I mean is, it's, it's you haven't got to score a goal. All you've got to do is just make sure they don't really score a goal and just, just try and maintain your composure for upwards of, what, 10... 
maybe 15 minutes I suppose that's sort of that's the sort of time span that normally you know one would refer to as game game management well that effectively Eddie is what cost um Chris Hargreaves his job wasn't it because if you remember sort of the results towards the start of the season in the opening three or four months when he was then um dismissed Yeovil could have easily had another 12 to 15 points on the table because of yeah. The fact they then conceded so late on from winning positions. Yeah. Exactly, that's right. And, you know, that's what I'm saying. So, you know, it's not all a question of winning the game. It's a question of not losing the game or not drawing the game, you know? So depending on when you are listening to this, as we always say on the podcast, that uh, Yeovil will be playing next on Tuesday. Um, they will be playing Eastleigh. Myself and Paul Thorpe will be doing the commentary. So hopefully... Another positive result, um, AD, like you've touched on, it's going to be £10 a ticket. Tuesday nights are always notoriously difficult to try and get um, more bodies in the stadium, I think, just because of the the time of the time of kick-off and cold weather, etc. But that's all they can do, isn't it, really, the ownership? Try and make mm. the well, that's prices what I mean, as low as possible. What can they do at the moment? All, all they can really do, given the state of the season and the time of the season, is make positive noises. They can't do an awful lot more. They can't go out there and score goals. Well, they could bring in maybe half a dozen patio kit, uh, heaters, do you think? Just to sort of warm people up. That was meant I mean, to be funny. Forget it. I'd, 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 I won't bother. No, what, 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 if you I'll tell you what. It. <laughs> no, no, I tell you what I was thinking about. I was thinking about the stewards having to pat you down for radiators as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, well, that, unfortunately, it's going to be cold tomorrow, isn't it? It's well, that's, just, yeah. that's, that's one thing. Going, going back to uh, my, my little mole on the terraces, that's one thing that has changed. It's a bit more of a liberal attitude towards the spectators and them coming in the ground. It's, it's a bit more of a user-friendly experience after just one game than what it has been previously. Mm. So if that encourages people to come along and, and be part of it, then that's got to be a positive as well. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. I mean, a 46-game season is obviously a long season. So 14 games to go in a context of a 46-game season isn't a lot of games left. But at the same time, there's still a lot of points up for grabs, isn't it? Yeah. So mm. maybe still a little bit more time available before panic really starts to set in. Is that fair to well, say? Well, this is, this, is this is a big month, isn't it? Because you could be cut adrift and you could have absolutely no hope at the end of, uh, at the end of March. But as it stands at the moment, you know, a couple, a couple wins back-to-back -back and all of a sudden you're sniffing around Oldham, Halifax, that sort of part of the table. And it's a completely different... Complexion. Yogi's job is to make sure that there are four teams that finish below. Yeah, they need to try and drag the likes of Halifax, Oldershot, um, Oldham back into it. Yeah, absolutely. If they can. And there are games in hand, which we all know games in hand are worth nothing, but they are opportunities. They're possibilities of, of getting those points. If you get up to playing the same 34 games as everyone else and you're up around the 40 point mark, all of a sudden, you know, there's eight or nine teams below you. Just but, taking a but, foot in the opposition camp, just very quickly, Aid. I want to talk mm -hmm. about Gary Johnson at, at Torquay because he's probably looking at it and going, a team like Yeovil is a team that we need to target to try yeah. and get ourselves out of it. He is. He's told me that already. 
Uh, I was speaking to him on the phone last week, and and, and he said, you know, we're we're targeting you definitely. But I mean, if you look at the games we've just got this this month, we've got um, Eastleigh. Now they're not a pushover by any matter of means uh, on Tuesday. Then we're away to Chesterfield. Well, they're up up around the top regions of the league, so that's no pushover. Yeah. Barnet place. Barnet again. Place. Yeah. yeah, you know, and then Halifax is anyone that's anywhere near us, I think, and then Bromley. Well, you know, that's not a that's a tall order, but on the other hand, maybe Yeovil tend to play better against stronger teams. You know, they don't tend to get dragged down well, to the level. The weight of expectation to be off them, wasn't it? So it's, yeah. it's might be a case psychologically that anything you can get out of those games is a bonus because you're not expected to get anything. Mm. So unfortunately, fortunately, we don't have um, one of the ex players on today. So, boys, I'm going to have to ask yourselves about this. So, I want to talk about the draws because Yeovil are leading the way for draws this season. It looks like by quite some distance as well. They've had yeah. 15 draws. When does a draw suddenly not become a good result? Because Yeovil are probably likely still going to pick up some further draws between now and the end of the season. So there might be a draw against, the, take a Wrexham, for example. At any other time, you might go, oh, yeah, we'll take a point. But at what point is the cutoff where you start to go, well, I don't, I don't think draws are really enough anymore. You want to, you'd rather win a couple, lose a couple, yeah. try and jump up that way. I the don't think Mark Cooper, Cooper would take, he would, he would look at you, we are playing to win every game. Yeah. Not necessarily going to do it, with, but you know the trouble with the draws that Yeovil have had. Have, so many of them have come from winning positions that have been pulled back and become draws. If you're losing and you get you score a goal in the last five minutes to turn a defeat into a draw, well, that's a bonus. Mm. But so many of Yeovil's draws this season have come winning positions that have been thrown away, not thrown away, but taken away. Mm. You know, so that that that's a bad draw. Yeah, because 15 draws, so. Obviously, fifteen games. So that's you'd normally get, you'd get you know five wins is fifteen points, isn't it? So fifty well, percent of the games this season, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. Draws. I mean, that's that's not going to win you anything. So that is it is a little bit concerning. But as you say, if you can then just sort of pad that out with a couple of wins either side it, and then hopefully that will be enough. You look at the table now and you think Maidstone, they're on 23 points. They're a full 10 points off the Dorking, who are above the bottom four at the moment. They're probably probably left themselves too much to do. Scunthorpe, they're on 24 points, but I know they've had problems. They've since been taken over as well. Have they left themselves too much to do? I don't know. That's a huge name, isn't it? Torquay as well on 29? Yeah. Gary Johnson. So... It's only really Gateshead and Dorking are probably the teams that you could possibly argue who would have been expected to have been around there at that start at the start of the season. Talking of Gary Johnson, um, it's funny enough, you know, uh, Pete Johnson is Gary's brother, and he's their their sort of scout who who, who finds the players he wants to sign. Um, one of the things that um, Mark and Paul said was that they're going to get much better scouting, which is an encouraging aspect because. You know, if they're out and they can pull in some decent players by getting out amongst it, that's important to you, Oval. But economically, it's a it's a good thing as well, isn't it? Because you you're not spending out on players if you produce mm. your own. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. 
Go on, I know you want to. Look at this. Yeah, face. go on, you can tell him. He's, he's got the go knife on. out, hasn't he, now already? He's, on, so, I mean, <laughs> right, yeah. We're gonna, that's the overall wrapped up. So, hopefully, well, you can say, we listen to us on Tuesday evening on Three is Valleys Radio. And we'll. Is that, is that the time? I'm so sorry, Dave. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, well, I'm going to have to ask you from a Manchester United perspective, aren't, aren't I? Because there's no other Liverpool fans to kind of speak no, to regards from a positive performance. Right, the thing that struck me about this, right, if I was in your position as a Liverpool supporter, mm-hmm. I, take, I take it this is, where, this is where you're headed. Yeah, 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 go on. A season where Liverpool have got no chance of winning a trophy, very Fair unlikely comment. to finish... Or they've got a fight on themselves, fight on their hands to qualify for the Champions League for next season. Yeah, they get themselves up for their biggest game of the season, which they win comfortably, thanks to the the last fifty minutes, which were terrible. But did they play the well, Rick? That's the question. <laughs> they didn't have to. I, <laughs> yeah. think, I think just just to, to, Sorry, to cover on. that point. Are you going with the Gary Neville thing about that? Yeah, yeah. When he was saying about a freak result, I think what he was talking about was the fact that Liverpool had eight shots on target and scored seven goals. I think that's more a case of what he was talking about. Mm. But going back to that, right, Liverpool, this is, the, this is the highlight of their season, the pinnacle of what they can achieve this year. And everyone's talking about Manchester United. Does that not take, does that spoil it a little bit for you? Uh, does it spoil it? Yeah, yeah, I, I I totally get what what you're saying, Abs- absolutely. Um, like I, like I said, coming onto this podcast, I was like, yeah, AD mentioned it to me in a text beforehand. Is like, I bet you're looking forward to it. I'm like, well, I, I don't actually know because like listening to listening to talk sport a lot today because I've been doing a bit of travelling today. And who was on there? It was Martin Keown and um, oh. Simon Jordan. <laughs> Simon Jordan's always good quality. Anyway, I I digress and. All the calls were about, and this is from Manchester United fans as well, um, was about Bruno Fernandes and whether or not he should be the captain anymore, how petulant he is, even when you win, lose or draw. Um, there was no mention of the fact that, even from the people presenting the programme as well, that you know Mo Salah broke the Premier League scoring yes. record for Liverpool. That seems to have just like been lost. That's, that's my point. It's not. It's taken. I mean, as, as horrible as it is for me. To, as, as a United supporter, to have that result, if, if we'd have beaten somebody 7-0, I would want the talk to be about my team, what they'd achieved, rather than concentrating on the problems of the perceived problems of the other team. Definitely. It's a, it's a, it's a strange one, though, isn't it? Because if, if this had happened last season... Uh, in the Ranier well, era... And, well, yeah, exactly. But... Like you say, it would have been a case of oh, Liverpool flying at the moment. They're toe-to-toe with Manchester City. The Ranić project yeah. hasn't worked out at United. And there would still sort of be elements of that. But I think the positivity of Liverpool would would come through. I think, as a fan, I have to be a realist in the fact that, yes, the front three of Gakpo, Salah and Nunes worked superbly yesterday. But they're still the same front three that lost 3-0 to Wolves lost 3-0 to Brighton. Couldn't score against like, Palace. Yeah. So, <sighs> I am, like, to sort of coin a phrase that you said yesterday, Rick, I'm absolutely going to dine out on it because 
like you say, if you said said to me at the start of the season, Liverpool when they're going to be nowhere near the top and they're going to be struggling to try and get into the top four, I'd say that can't happen. That's not going to happen. Yeah. We've just beaten Man City in the Community Shield. Yes, I know it's the Community Shield, but still both teams, the game at the start of the season, want to win and start off well. Um, it's just, what I would say though, um, from a positive spin for Liverpool, is the fact that, how are they fifth, by the way? It was only a couple of weeks ago that we were talking about Liverpool being in 10th. We've got absolute no chance of top four. So the Everyone fact they got themselves score, got into this position... Is is a re- is a big step and a positive, and I'm not saying that Liverpool can overtake Manchester United by any means, but God, seven points. You would have thought that three weeks ago that Liverpool being just seven points behind Manchester United would have been an absolute chasm away. Yeah. Well, it's it's the thing is that everybody competing for that. If if you assume, because anybody who um, I hate to be the bearer of bad news for all those <laughs> little people who've been. So excited over the last 24 hours. Uh, United are going to finish third this season. So those three places are sorted. It's it's that battle for fourth place that everybody else seems to have stalled. There was a, a time a few seasons ago when it was like nobody seems to want it. Newcastle is still in the strongest position with the, with the games in hand, presumably. Spurs are very Spursy, And that, that's why... Liverpool found themselves in a situation... It's, it's such a difficult one, though, Rick, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's the same with Arsenal. Arsenal deserve to be top of the table, but everyone's saying, yeah, but City have been a bit ropey and Liverpool haven't been informed this yeah. season, so that's why Arsenal was top. And we're like, yeah, but surely you can say that about any season. If you're top, yeah. you're top. That's just how it works. The thing is, it's it's with particularly with, with the result that, that um, I think that everybody's going a little bit over over the top. It was extreme what happened yesterday. But at the end of the day... Do you have any concerns at all, Rick? Not at all. any at all? In fact, it was, to be perfectly honest, one thing I'm glad's happened is that all this quadruple bollocks has has gone out the window because that was never going to happen. Adrian, sorry. But it was never... No, I I agree with you totally. Yeah. That was never going to happen. And also, there is a thing in sport that uh, you're told that you learn more from defeats than you do from victories. Let's face it, there was a lot to learn yesterday. And playing every three days has finally caught up with United. If you'd have, you'd have told me... Yeah, well, I, I'm going to make a few points now. Um, as you know, I'm read through and through. My whole family's read through and through. And before the game, um, I was talking to my son as to the prospects as to how this game was going to go. And, and two two points that I brought up, and, and I've always been one for the law of averages. Now, United have gone, how many games is it, Rick? 22, something like that. Yeah, and just lately they've, they haven't they haven't lost a game for, well, the last one must have been, what, Aston Villa, I suppose, wasn't it? Yeah. No, Arsenal, yeah. Arsenal, Arsenal. So, law of averages says, you know, it was win, 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 or draw, a few draws chucked in. They were going to come to a halt sooner or later. Uh, and I'm, I, I firm, it happens time and time again. And, and secondly, when United drop a goal, OK, they can usually come back from that without too much difficulty, even sometimes two goals. But when you start getting three goals going in, to my mind, I think United look very, very fragile. And you, you, you think, oh, my God, three goals, we're going to have another six or seven. And it's almost as though they go past a point and they just cannot cope with it mentally. 
they can cope with one or two, but once you start going past that point, and and that's that's exactly what happened yesterday. I mean, it you know you got you got a bit. One of the goals it just somehow came back to Salah, and and he just lashed it in. It was it was more by instinct than anything else. It wasn't a, a crafted goal, if you like. The ball was bouncing about. It fell to him. He just whacked it in. Um, you know, Liverpool played well. I'm not I'm not going to hide that fact. It makes me feel sick to say it, but nonetheless, um, we'd have to say that. But on the other hand, United played very, very poorly in the second half. But up to the second half, first half, until the first goal went in, I thought we were the better side on, on the balance of play. We, and if we just scored then, uh, it would have been a totally different game as it was Liverpool in scored. In fact, to, to that point, Adrian... I refer you to the text message you sent me at 16.59 yesterday. Steady <laughs> enough start, yeah. thumbs up. Yeah, well, <laughs> at that particular that point, well. it was a bloody step. But, of course, uh, as Thanks he said, that. that went down well. He thought that was the kiss of death. So so, yeah. so maybe. But, but you know, now, I, <laughs> what what does a manager do? Though? I mean, if you're, if you're Eric Tan Hag now, how do you approach this? I've had so many people in my ear telling me they should get rid of Fernandez because he's 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 not a a, um, a good example of a captain. Um, Aidy, just very quickly on that, if I could intercept on that one. Sorry, I just I just want to know from your boys' perspective because there's no doubt that he's a good player, right? He he yeah. just is. But is he good enough to warrant the stuff that? The stuff that other fans would be like, oh, my God, look how frustrating he is. Because if he was a player of mine, like, I'd, I'd be just as annoyed at him as I am in awe of him. But does he do, does his good stuff outweigh just how bad and petulant it can be, if you see what I mean? Like, do you guys watch him and feel like, oh, God, you just, like, just take him off? Like, were you feeling like that yesterday at all? Um, well, I would take the whole bloody team off, to be honest. <laughs> well, yeah, quite. <laughs> it wasn't just a question of one person, you know. I mean, just everybody was... And that's the other thing. How difficult is it for every single player in the team to play badly? I mean, can you give me one player that played well for United yesterday? Because I can't think of one. There was not one Those single player. On well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if anything, um, what's his name? The, the guy from Austria, I can't think of his name. I can never pronounce him. Just come in, midfielder. Um, oh, Sabitzer. Sabitzer, that's it, Sabitzer. He possibly looked sort of just half sensible when he came on. But other than that, I mean, you know, why didn't he... I thought that initially the choice of, of um, Dallow instead of um, uh, wan That was curious. Yeah. That was curious, I think. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was a, a very strange one, to be fair. But to get back to the point about Bruno, Bruno is, is one of those people that if he's... If he's your player, and I get what you're saying, Dave, he would yeah. still, he still, he does still frustrate. But you back him, and um, it's like there's people who have absolutely nothing to do with Manchester United other than the fact that them losing is the highlight of their week. Saying, "Oh, Fernandez shouldn't be captain." Well, what's it got to do with that? What, what's is that's a Manchester United problem, and the only person whose opinion. I put, I've got an opinion on it, but the only person whose opinion I care about, to be perfectly honest, is Eric Ten Hag. And he's the man in charge, and he will make the right decision. I'm absolutely... I've got no doubt about it. So it's down to him. It's, it's not mm -hmm. down to anybody else to say, this is a disgrace, that's a disgrace, this is awful, or whatever. We're all allowed to have an opinion, but in this situation, 
Only one matters. Do you and think Ten Hag has been, been very good by what happened? Sorry, go on, Aid. I was going to say, let's be fair. His decision making has been pretty much yeah, exactly. spot on from day one, record, wouldn't it? And he's still the same manager that was getting lauded for making game changing decisions a couple of weeks ago and throughout the season. And he's built up so much credit in fact. You've, you've got you've got to back him. And if he will have learned, there's a lot of players that will that will have been the deciding factor for what Eric does in the summer on that performance. Because you learn a lot more in those games. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but that, that goes to show, doesn't it? Exactly what you said. Like you say, you won the cup last week and he was, you know, touted as, you know, as one of the best in, in the world at the moment when you'd look yeah. at how far United have come. But it goes every way, doesn't it? I mean, I'm not saying that I was an advocate for Jurgen Klopp to to get sacked, but by any means. But I, in my opinion, felt justifiable in saying, look, have we just come to an end of a cycle here? Because cycles do kind yeah. of go like that. You get to six, seven years, and then you dip. And now suddenly, if yeah, I'm not saying that we're going to absolutely charge to the top again, but if this kind of all comes to Liverpool finish fourth, and suddenly I go, oh, maybe it's not quite as transitional the, as no, it well, with the clock felt thing, like it would have been. Well, with the, with the with the clock thing, I think I said on previous podcast it's down to him and his appetite to rebuild the Liverpool team he's had one great team the midfield is about 90 now I've averaged yeah. it or seven you know there's nothing yeah, it's, in the there's no in between yeah no exactly so the, the whole situation with Klopp he's got that much credit in the bank he's been that that successful for Liverpool that the entire decision should be left to him if he wants to rebuild he should be given the opportunity to rebuild if he wants to go somewhere else he should be allowed to go somewhere else. He's, he's got that much credit. But looking at the Liverpool team, um, since we've been... Can I not look at Jordan Henderson or James Milner, please? I'll look at the rest of them. Yeah, well, I don't, want, I don't want to look at them. But, I mean, basically, all right, Nunes is a good player. Um, Salah is a good player. But those two... Isn't Gakpo doing, doing well at his second-choice club? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's doing OK, but those three. But apart from that, you can't honestly say, other than maybe yesterday, that the rest of the team is absolutely outstanding because it's not. The goalkeeper is prone to making a, a, a few clangers now and again, and he has made quite a few lately for a start. Um, the full-backs, well, I mean, Robertson's pretty consistent, I guess, but uh, and so is Virgil van Dijk, not that he's a full-back, but, you know, he's OK. But apart from that, there's not that many Gomez. I mean, he's 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 nothing special, is he? Hello, we've we've so Yeovil have signed another player. I think it's just come through Scott Pollock. Anybody know who that is? Look it up. Uh, not we will do by the time we go out. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I will do by my by the time I've done my commentary notes. For yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, you you, you but, did really well, Dave, and you were very well informed on him yesterday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, you did your homework. But you, you look it up a minute while I carry on waffling about Liverpool. Um, yeah. But apart from that, I mean, you know, Gomez, uh, what's the guy, Elliot, the boy Elliot, I mean, he's, he's OK. Um, Fabinho, well, I don't know. I don't think he's that consistent. So do you, do, you mean, do you mean a now or at any point? Because there's still a large chunk of the team that, you know, got 97 points, won the league, won the Champions Like They're still... Do you just mean that they've dipped from what they were before? You've never seen them as. Yeah, I think they've. Good I players. think they've dipped, but they all they didn't dip yesterday. To be well, fair, Van Dyke's 
not been the same since he came back from injury. No. 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 Fabinho's been a big problem for Liverpool because he was one of those players that, yeah. you know, kind of like, I'm not necessarily comparing the two completely, but he's he's your Casemiro, he's our Casemiro. Like, that's what, what he was, was. to do. Yeah. But this is what I mean. And, yeah. uh, and then that's kind of started the demise of Liverpool was when Fabinho suddenly just fell off a cliff and we thought, oh no, we don't actually have an enforcer in there anymore because Van Alden, we let go caught, and did replace. They just caught up with my two favourite players as well. So, you know, all of a sudden, that midfield looks... And, and, and fair play, Henderson had a decent game yesterday, but he was only decent. He just wasn't a liability for once. So they've got to be moving forward there've got to be serious concerns with that with that rebuild you'd have thought would you david yes yeah, sorry I, I definitely wasn't doing any research on the yeovil player yes no, i would agree not. <laughs> <laughs> i've just seen ad if you've seen it as well that yeovil's clash with south end will now be shown on live on yes. bt sport yeah. as well so that's a five yeah. to kick off oh, that's three points down the drain then because we never but, bt kiss of death yeah exactly so that's not gonna not going to help, is it? But anyway, but shall we shall we shall we talk about the not demise, but talk about some of the clubs that have suddenly found themselves in a position where um, they're not maybe going to achieve what they thought they might have done at the start of the season. Like, well, at the end, to, of, end of last week's pod, Thorpe had his list and he was running through all my preseason predictions that I've got completely wrong. But then there are teams there that. Nobody would have predicted that they'd have the season that they're they're having now. Yeah, you know, nobody, exactly. nobody before the season, nobody would have said that Arsenal would be top. You'd be mental if you thought that. Mm. But but it's but it's weird now in terms of like you said. I don't want to use the word momentum because, like you said, we've been on a decent run, but that game probably we're not going to get another game like it really this season. Um, we had spot. enough. We had a nine 0 over Bournemouth, but and luckily they're our next game actually. So maybe we could. Who knows? But. Suddenly, it's quite realistic to say that Liverpool might be favourites for top four when you look at how Newcastle and Spurs are doing at the moment. Well, if they, you think they've thrown it away, haven't they? Those, those two clubs those in particular. But, those two clubs in particular, they've, they've thrown away their opportunity, really. They've had great chances to, to put themselves clear of Liverpool and stop Liverpool coming into that, but they haven't done it. Well, Newcastle have got a Yeovil problem, haven't they, at the moment, where they're playing yeah. OK, doing all right, but they've got no one to score the goals. No, Just to kind of another couple, round. Another couple of points, too, because I think we caught Liverpool at the wrong time. Three or four weeks Absolutely. earlier, if we'd have played them three or four weeks earlier, you wouldn't have had that result for a start. That's the first thing. Um, there was another thing, but it's completely slipped my mind. I don't know how mind, we could huh? have changed that, but I get your point. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, you know, it... it it, it does make a difference, those sort of things. They really do. There is one other point, but I can't think what it is now. <laughs> Dementia set it well, again, sorry. Our Newcastle, Newcastle have faltered over the last month. Now they've lost the cup final. They've lost the first league game after that. Are they going to fall away into, obs, obs, not say obscurity, but to, to finish fifth or sixth purely because they can't win games now? Can we quickly talk about the, the Arsenal game as well? Because mm. that was just... That upset me more than the United game. Yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us, tell us what you All thought All seven process. minutes of injury time, where did that come from? <laughs> well, yeah, the thing is, it's so hypocritical for me because <laughs> the first thought was, oh, we, we play on, Arteta decides how long 
the game goes on, oh, you play on until Arsenal score a winner. Well, hang on, we had 15 years for that, so... Yeah, on Mikel time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, so I'm not going to... But it's, it, I said to a couple uh, mates of mine over the, over the weekend, because obviously there was some good, good-natured uh, banter, shall we say, going on in my direction. But what's more embarrassing, losing 7-0 to Liverpool or being 2-0 down at home to Bournemouth? Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's to be honest, that's a situation that Arsenal found themselves in. They got themselves point, out of 11, it. 11.5 seconds a goal down as well. Yeah, one of the quickest <laughs> goals in Premier League history. And yeah, second fastest. And they were just stood there yeah. looking at him, weren't they? Yeah. He just strolled in, you know, all the time in the world, bang, 1 0. Thank you. But again, it's one of those things. Do you take the positives, that, positive or negative? If you're an Arsenal supporter, do you say, Oh no, we were two 0 down to Bournemouth. Or do you say, "Hang on, we pulled back uh, from two 0 yeah, down so from three two. Talking as someone who's only really seen what, well, only has only seen one title win. Far be it from me to kind of know what I'm was, talking was, about is, in is that, that regard. Is that the one with an asterisk next to it? <laughs> yeah. That's the one, Rick. That's the one. Okay, so well, I remember it. The the one we where we finished uh, top and compared to everybody else, that one. Well, it would be uh, top, wouldn't it? Really, if, if you were champions. Um. I think you do take the positive from it because it. I think in that situation, it doesn't matter who you play. It's the fact that you've gone to nil down at that point and then you've spun it around and suddenly you've gone from, oh, crap, we've dropped points to, oh, wow, we've we've won this from being completely out of it. Yes, I appreciate it was Bournemouth, but I don't think it mattered who it was no. at that point when you got 20 minutes to go. And again, you'll get the, you know, the Twitter fan, if you like, to say that, oh, look, they've celebrated a last-minute winner against Bournemouth. But, yeah, but it's not about it being Bournemouth, is it? It's about the fact that they've turned this right around and kept that five-point gap. This is this is going to be massive, I think. I still think Arsenal are, are going to do it. I think I think City I think have still got I think a rick in them. I think not a rick in them. But... but, I mean, yeah. And that's also the other thing is the fact that on the opposite side of it, the momentum with Arsenal, and Arsenal have done this and they got a win from where they thought they were going to drop points. If you're Abu Dhabi and you look at that, for a second you think that you're gaining ground on Arsenal and all of a sudden your win doesn't gain you any ground on them at all. So that's got to have a psychological effect on them, you would have thought. You know, yeah, they thought quite... that they, were, they were closing the gap and all of a sudden they're not. Yeah. Just imagine if if they had lost to Bournemouth, or even if they'd drawn and dropped two points. I mean, can you imagine the response that that would have given? Liverpool would have been going around thinking, "Oh, we're going to win the championship now." <laughs> well, yeah. well, they thought that they beat Wolves, didn't they, in the week? So yeah, because <laughs> yeah, we never beat Wolves. We haven't this season, so it was like, "Oh, yeah, okay." That's. It felt like for a moment that. We went through that spell where we're just playing the same team over and over again because we had him in the cup, and then we had him in the FA Cup replay. You know, it's like oh, Wolves again. 
It's funny, United had that over the last two seasons. It, well, it, it does seem like you're playing Wolves every other bloody week. Yeah, it does. They're an awkward team. Uh, 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 yeah. Too awkward. I think West Ham are awkward to play against and Wolves are. They're difficult to not, beat. Not in the FA Cup, they're not. No, not in the FA Cup, but in the league. Uh, just very quickly on that Wolves before we do on West Ham is that the Liverpool Wolves game wasn't available on telly because it was um, it was one of those yeah. ones that fell on a Champions League night. And it was actually, even as a fan, it was like, it's actually quite nice that I can't watch it. I'll just listen to it on the radio or see the results come in and, and think, oh, yeah, we've finally done it. Too late, goals. Job done. Move on. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about Brighton, eh? Oh, what a team. Mm, what about Brighton? Just a, the team nil. that Chelsea want to be, aren't they? On every level. Yeah, that was a thrashing wasn't it this weekend talking to yeah. thrashings were we I, 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 I'm not sure that there were any thrashings this weekend were there, David? <laughs> no. I just wasn't no sure if we might have heard we might have just, heard a voice in the background it was just no he's sleeping it, it's, it's, it's <laughs> just like a you know it's just like a uh, an average weekend really no real big it's surprises got, it's got to have been in all honesty it's got to have been from my point of view one of the worst weekends of football I can possibly remember, yeah. results-wise. Yeah. Absolutely. I must have upset someone. I got about four points in my fantasy team. <laughs> just and very quickly. Just very quickly before we sign off. Did we? Did you see a, that your mate Gianni Infantino ended up at Millwall this well, weekend? Millwall, yeah. Did he have any shoes on? That's the point. No idea. Or they, trainers again. Uh, I bet it was trainers. I'll put money I was on say it. They might get. I was going to say they might get nicked, but I probably can't say that, can I? Yeah. No, we've, we've, we've got three minutes to go, guys. Just Can I just ask you a question a minute? Um, I'm interested to hear Rick's answer to this one as well, because I don't think I've actually discussed it with him off air. But it looks all of a sudden as though we were all getting perhaps quite excited at the prospect that the glazers, glazers were going. But there's a certain amount of reticence at the moment, it seems to be anyway, that... Uh, uh, you know they're 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 sitting on the fence a little bit. I mean, I gather that there's a meeting's going to be set up for the second stage. But what do you, excuse me, what do you think? Do you think they're going to they're going to pull out and, and stay where they are, or do you think they'll go ahead and sell it? Me, I, I I've got a terrible uh, feeling because we all know that I enjoy the moral high ground, but I got a terrible feeling that next season the Glazers will still be in charge and Mason Greenwood will be playing for United. <laughs> Two things that should never be allowed to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what do you think, Dave? I mean, you've been sat on the sidelines uh, watching well, it. Well, it's quite... Well, Liverpool are kind of going through something similar, albeit that they haven't accepted any bids, because yeah. um, John John Henry's turned around in the last couple of weeks now, hasn't he, and said, we're not actually for sale. Yeah. We're just seeking... Um, but didn't Liverpool that, say that from the off, that they were just yeah, they, looking they at Yeah, they did, the but, but they didn't come out and sort of counter anything on the contrary to all the reports to say that we are up for sale and yeah like you say it wouldn't surprise me if certainly at the start of the season both Liverpool and Manchester United have still got the same owners and I mean it, it does um, show what they have at the moment total greed though isn't it on the part of the the Glazers I mean if they do uh, opt out because they're not getting enough I mean they've been offered by the sound of it nobody's actually said how much but you get the impression that they've somebody's been offering about four Three and a half to four million, I suspect. Worst worst case scenario for United is if the Glazers get this funding that they want, that will provide a new training ground and improvements to the ground, 
and then yeah. they so they don't lose out on that and then they they lump that debt onto the club and then continue to use United as a cash cow and continue to be the worst owners in the history of world football and on that point the Glazers the worst history the worst li uh, owners in history it's time to say good night so I'm do we do alright we got through it we got through it um, you've had your therapy for a second time Amy. yeah <laughs> no but I, I've got another appointment for tomorrow so, um, Bring on Southampton, that's what I said. Yeah. Don't lose to Southampton next week, for goodness sake. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, Go on, the Saints. Thanks for hosting, David. Uh, you're very welcome. I hope I did Liverpool fans proud. I probably didn't give you enough stick, to be honest. No, I, I think really we got good. off lightly, to I'm be not, honest. I'm not, very, I'm not very good for dishing it out, see. I always have yeah. to take it, but when it comes yeah. to dishing it out, I'm like... No, you're probably right. You're a proper little softy, aren't you, on the quiet? Anyway, uh, basically, gentlemen, that brings us to an end of another edition of Football Bloody Hell. Seven!